Genesis chapter 39. Book of Genesis. We're still looking at Joseph. Developing of his character now. And in Genesis 39, Joseph is going to be tested. Testing is important to us. Testing is really important to the development of character. We don't like it. Uh, It's not what we want, but it's important to us. It's important to what God is going to do. And remember, God has his eye on a goal for the life of Joseph. I mean, Joseph was born uh, the beloved son of his father, wore the coat of many colors. Everything is sweet. Everything is wonderful. Everything is great. And he gets plucked from that and cast into a pit, and he gets sold as a slave, and his life goes rapidly downhill. Now, in chapter 39, his life is going to rise again, and then it's going to fall even further. He's going to come up, and he's going to go down again. And, you know, to, to our view, if it was us, definitely if it was us, we, we, we'd be having a hard time with it. And I think Joseph really, reasonably and realistically had to have a difficult time with what was happening in his life. But what Joseph somehow plugged into us, God's got a plan. And I'm okay, because God's got a plan. Everything will work out fine because God's got a plan. Did you know that God has a plan for your life? God has a plan, and it's not kind of the hard plan, the hardcore plan. <clears throat> you know, and your plan for your life is a nice one. His plan for your life is the hardcore one. No, his plan is the best plan. It's the sweetest plan. It's the plan that if you let him have his way in your life and work it out, you're going to find it is the way to go. Are there going to be difficulties? Definitely there are going to be difficulties. He couldn't make you what he wants you to be apart from allowing difficulties in your life. But what you're going to find is that along the way, you're going to look at your life and you're going to say, this is is the life. And then when you come to the end of it, you're going to rejoice in every difficult thing he brought in your life. Every difficult thing. Joseph's going to go through hardship And we know the end of the story. We know we end up in Pharaoh's palace. He ends up in Pharaoh's palace. We know he gets the glory in the here and now. He doesn't know. He doesn't know it. He's going to have to go through it blind, looking to God only. That's the way you've got to go through life. Blind, looking to God. We call that faith. We're looking to God, depending upon his goodness. And it's always worth waiting on. He always works it out the best. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll read chapter 39. We're going to read all of the chapter. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And, Lord, we thank you for this man, Joseph, and all the work that you did uh, in his life. Now, Lord, would you bless us this morning, Lord? Would you give me words to speak that are going to be a help and a comfort and a strength and a challenge? And, Lord, would you take your people and would you open their hearts to receive your word, Lord, that it might just not just be a lesson about a historical figure, but that, Lord, there might be the reality of what it means to each one of us. And Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, Genesis 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found great in, grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught that he had, save the bread which he did eat, and Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotted not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. 
And it came to pass, when she saw that she had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought this in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when we heard... Uh, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid upon his garment by her until her Lord, his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant whom, which thou hast brought unto me came... Sorry, the Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us uh, <clears throat> came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled." And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him mercy, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. All right, so it's a great story. We, we, we see it go up, and we see it go down, and we see it kind of come up again. And because we know the end of the story, we're looking to the end of the story and thinking uh, great things. But there's a huge test in the middle of this uh, for Joseph. And it's a test that's not going to work out very well for him. He's going to have to deal with temptation. Now, all of us have to deal with temptation. All of us have to. Listen, there's temptation in everybody's life. Now, James said this, every man is drawn away when he is enticed of his own lusts. Do you understand that everybody in this room has temptation in their lives? And if we were to look at the temptation from one to the other, it would be different for each one of us because we're different. We're all different. There are different things that draw us. One might be drawn by glory. One might be drawn by pleasure. One might be drawn, uh, you know, by, 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 by greed. We're, we're, all, we're all drawn by different things. There are different things that draw us. And everybody is facing temptation. It's real. It's there. It's, it's a huge part of life uh, for everybody. Um, uh, the British playwright Oscar Wilde said this. He said, I can resist anything except temptation. Now, if you know anything about Oscar Wilde's life, <laughs> he meant it. He, he went into every kind of wickedness that it was possible uh, for a person to go into. But C.S. Lewis said this. He observed that no man knows how bad he is until he has tried to be good. And isn't that true? When we try to do right, we, try, we, we begin to realize what we really are. We begin to realize what's going on. Now, uh, let me give you a working definition of temptation. Temptation is the inner urge to do wrong that hits us in the place of our own personal weakness. Now, what's helpful about that, that, that definition is this, right? It's internal. It's internal. Don't we love to blame uh, <clears throat> temptation on the external? You know, <clears throat> it was him. If he hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have done it. If she hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done it. Or, or, or the classic, the devil made me do it. Nice easy one, isn't it? Devil, ne devil never made us do anything. Now, is the devil instrumental in temptation? Definitely. Understand this, that every temptation is a trial. Joseph's facing a temptation here, a temptation to sin uh, with Potiphar's wife. Uh, <clears throat> but on the other hand, it's a trial to make him stronger from God. And uh, I like to see it as being that the, the enemy is using every trial as an issue to draw you down and to weaken you. And God wants to use it to strengthen you. So there's always the two sides to it, but it's internal. It's internal, and we need to understand that it's, it's, it's me. You see, I can't deal with all the external circumstances out there. I can just deal with me. I can't make anybody else change. I can just deal with me. And two, two things that we've got to really face in that. First of all, I've got to take responsibility for it. I've got to take responsibility on my shoulders for dealing with this thing. If I don't take the responsibility for it, I'm hopeless. I am absolutely hopeless if I don't take responsibility for it. It's got to be my responsibility. It's got to be my issue. And then second, I've got to realize that I've got to deal with it. I've actually got to deal with the temptation. I can under God. God gives you a promise that kind of, in a sense, overrides all this. There is no, there hath no temptation taken you. But such as, as is common to man. But God will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. 
So what God does is God builds an escape route in to temptation. Always, it's a promise. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it's a promise. God says, I will build you in an escape route. It overrides all of it. And we've got to know that and understand that I'm responsible for taking the escape route. That temptation is never so strong, there's no hope. No, no, no. If I want to, I can resist it in him. I can get the escape route and I can win. I can have victory. All right, so five principles that we need to know. First principle is this. When things are going well, be on your guard. When things are going well, be on your guard. See, consider Joseph here for a second. Joseph is here. He's in the house of Potiphar. And (laughs) what's going on is this. He's in the house of Potiphar. He's doing well. Potiphar has no... When the Bible says he found grace in Potiphar's sight, Potiphar noticed Joseph. You know, this guy's a good worker. And who knows where he started. You know, he may have started, you know, sweeping the yard. I don't know what he did in the house of uh, of Potiphar. But he started off doing one thing, and, you know, then he was given something else, and and then he was given something else to do, and finally we're going to find him. Listen, he's in charge of the whole household. Everything Potiphar has, he gives it over to to Joseph. Now, he doesn't give it over to Joseph, you know, just because he wants it off his shoulders. He gives it over to Joseph because he recognizes Joseph can handle this. He recognizes the hand of God upon Joseph, and he sees it four, uh, five times in four verses. It talks about God's hand being upon Joseph. So what's happening for Joseph is he's rising. He's doing well. Now, that's a danger moment in any of our lives. We, we talked to men Sunday school about, our, about, <clears throat> about the, our attitude to success. Well, what kind of an attitude <clears throat> are we supposed to have to, to success? We're supposed to be very careful. Because when we're successful, it's really easy for us to fall on our faces. Somebody said that for 99 men that can endure adversity, there's only one that can endure success. When things start going well, we're oftentimes in trouble. Now, Joseph uh, doesn't realize it. He's not looking to do wrong. He's not planning to do wrong. But you know what? The opportunity is coming his way. The opportunity to come is coming Joseph's way to actually do something. And notice this too about Potiphar. Potiphar recognizes something about Joseph. Potiphar looks at Joseph and he sees, you know what, there's something different about this guy. This guy is different. You know, and, and he sees God's hand upon Joseph. And, you know, when it says that Joseph found grace in Potiphar's eyes, they became friends. Now, okay, he was a servant, but they became friends. This, this was recognized. It's interesting when, when, what Joseph says to Potiphar's wife. He says, listen, there's nothing he has withheld from me in the house. Everything in this house is his. <clears throat> he's, he's given me free access to everything except you. That what, what, what Potiphar had done is Potiphar had given him the keys. Joseph, listen, you look after it. You take care of it. Because Joseph was doing well, and he noticed. So they, they, there was a friendship between these two men, and there was something good going on. And you know what? Potiphar was being blessed for it. But know this, too. You know, unsaved people can recognize when God's hand is on somebody, and unsaved people can recognize a phony, too. Don't we sometimes think, well, unsaved people, they don't know. They don't understand. No, listen, they do understand. They can look and they can see. And, <clears throat> you know, you say, well, listen, I'm for God. I'm a Christian. What does a Christian mean? I'm, I, I belong to Jesus. I'm a, I'm a Christian. When you declare yourself as a Christian, you de- de- declare yourself to be born again, you, you know what? They, they, they would be uh, very unusual if their ears didn't perk up and their eyes start looking and they say, yeah, let me see. And they begin to look. They begin to examine. They begin to unturn things in your life, at least in their own minds, to see what you really are. You see, unsaved people can recognize when God's hand is on somebody and they're going to recognize a phony too. Sometimes the worst advertisement for Christianity are Christians. Because we're not living it. We're singing there about abundant life. We're singing about feasting on the manna from a bountiful supply. You know, listen, if you're dragging around like you're half starved and you're dying and you're, you're spiritually nowhere, you know what? People are looking at that and saying, hey, excuse me, what you sing and what you live doesn't add up. And that's reasonable for them to do that. That's not them just being bad. That's reasonable. Now, you can't fake it. You can't pretend uh, it's real when it's not. You, you, you've got to recognize, you know what? These, these things we talk about, these things we look at, they are real. Lord, Lord, help me. Lord, deal with me. 
Lord, bring me to the place where these things are actually reality, where they show in my life. Because the best advertisement for Christianity is somebody who's living in the reality of God and enjoying his presence. You see, Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You don't need to do much. You just need to lift him up. He is sweet enough and wonderful enough to draw all men to him. We're not dealing with religion. We're dealing with a person, the most wonderful, beautiful, sweetest, loving person the world has ever known. When you lift him up, people get drawn to him. Our job is simply to lift him up, to display him, to show him, and people will get drawn. But but back to Joseph here. Uh, The lesson for Joseph in this is, you know, here he is. Everything's going well. Everything's just right. Beware. Beware. Is everything going well for you right now? Is everything just happening in the right place? You know, the money's okay, and the problems are, are low, and everything's going well, and you're just looking, you know, maybe, if, maybe you've gotten a promotion, maybe <clears throat> uh, your popularity has never been higher, maybe your dreams are starting to come true. Uh, is everything going well right now? Beware. Beware, because what's happening, what's going to happen is there's going to be a test thrown into the mix. Not, not because God doesn't love us, not because God wants to trip us up, because he wants to strengthen us. Beware, the tests come during those times. Today's victories often lead to tomorrow's trials. The first principle is this, and beware when things are going well. Second principle is this. When you are tempted, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Who are you, by the way? Well, I'm a Christian. Go to, go to church on Sundays, and the rest of the week, I've got to live in a dog-eat-dog world, and you know, and I, just, I, just, I just plow through it and do the best I can. But I'm a Christian. You know, um, you know, if somebody asks you who you are, do you define yourself by your job title? Or do you define yourself by the reality that you belong to God? You see, <clears throat> I'm David O'Gorman. Now, what, what does that mean? David, the O means of in the Irish. I'm David of Gorman. Right, so back along the line, there was a Gorman. Uh, he was the daddy of all the, all the O'Gormans, and the rest of us are all sons of him. We're from him. My, my, my second name, uh, you know, ties me to a people group, right, <clears throat> called the Gormans, right? Now, but I'm really a Christian, first and foremost. Now, that ties me to Jesus Christ. That's who I am. You know, I got adopted into a family. It doesn't mean I kind of ignored the O'Gorman part of it, but the reality is when I got saved, he adopted me. He took me into his family. I'm, the Bible calls, says I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The Bible calls me a son. Of the, I, I'm different. I have a different family now because I got saved. Right? So, and, you know, the thing about family is you can never escape your family, can you? They always catch up on you. <clears throat> but the reality is I don't want to escape my Christianity. I, I, I belong to Jesus. That's a point of pride. It ought to be in our lives. Pride in the, in the good sense, in the sense that, listen, I belong to him. But that's who I am. Now, am I a Christian when I stand up here and preach a message? Well, obviously, yeah, I better be. I better be walking with him. Uh, But am I a Christian when I'm taking out the bins on Tuesday night? Am I a Christian, you know, when I'm dealing with trouble at home? Am I a Christian when, yeah, I'm a Christian all those times, all those times. And the word Christian means little Christ, basically of Christ. Listen, I bear his name in everything I do. So that all the time, I'm a Christian. That's who I am. That's who you are too. If you're born again this morning, you're a Christian. You you belong to him. You're his. Listen, everything you do reflects on your name. Everything you do reflects on the reality of who you are. Now, we live in an age and and a day when it's very easy for people to kind of ignore who and what they are. And act kind of out of character. You know, and be several different people in several different situations. But for a Christian, there's one overriding reality. I'm a Christian. That's, that's my overriding reality. I'm a Christian. We've got to live with that. Now, again, listen, I'm not putting a burden on you. This is no burden. This is joy. 
The more you do it and the more you live it, the more real your life becomes, the better your life becomes. It's no burden. It's not kind of, you know, guilt trip. It's a reality of life. I'm a Christian. I get to be called his son. You know, <clears throat> just imagine for a moment if, if, if you were adopted by a king. Think you keep it under your hat? You know, not tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody about that, you know. That's kind of... Well, listen, you'd be glad. You'd be proud. You have been adopted by a king. You bear his name. And the reality is if you bear his name, you ought to live a certain way. It ought to affect everything in your <clears throat> life. So Joseph knows who he is. He's a child of God. He wouldn't have called himself a Christian in the Old Testament, but he's, he's a child of God. He knows who he is, and that's going to go with him all the time. Even in his interaction with Potiphar's wife, it's going to come out. That's going to be reality to him, who he is and what he is. You don't forget who you are and what you are. Val often says to the kids uh, when they're going away, she'll say to them, listen, remember who you are. And it's important to remember who you are in every situation of life. You're a Christian. You belong to him. You're his. <clears throat> now, um, so <clears throat> Joseph is going about his business, and Potiphar's wife sets her eye on Joseph. Now, we don't know much about her. We don't even know her name. We do know, because the Bible tells us that, that, that <clears throat> Joseph was good-looking. He was well-favored. You know, <clears throat> as he went about his business, she noticed him. Right? This is, by the way, the son of Rachel, and Rachel was beautiful. <clears throat> so, you know, she, she, she knows that uh, <clears throat> uh, she sees him, and she knows him, and infidelity in the Egyptian realm in the court in Egypt was just rife. It has been in most courts over the over the years. It was rife. So listen, he, he was someone to play with for a while. Someone to pass the time. Someone interesting to pass the time. So she began to lift up her eyes, <clears throat> the Bible uh, says. <clears throat> she, 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 she lifted up her eyes. That's an interesting picture. You can see her lying there watching Joseph doing his business and lifting up her eyes and catching Joseph's eyes intentionally and pur purposefully and arranging herself in just the way to draw attention to her to herself just 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 being ready to, to to draw him she spent time doing it she spent time trying to get his attention time trying to try, trying to draw him in <clears throat> and that's that's just the way uh, her way <clears throat> and she's persistent she keeps doing it right she keeps trying to draw him in now, here we have Joseph. He's a young man. He's facing all the realities of being a young man. And here's this woman casting her eye upon him, looking at him. Could have kind of been intoxicating for Joseph. Now, remember, this is Joseph from the pit. This is Joseph who's been, you know, sold into slavery by his brothers. He deserves some fun. Isn't that what you'd be thinking? He deserves... <clears throat> But, but he's got an issue. And so finally she comes <clears throat> and um, she says it straight. I, I think she must have gotten frustrated. She came to the, <clears throat> the uh, all, all the trying wasn't working, so she got fronted and she, she knew, she knew he knew what was going on. And, and so she says, lie with me. Puts it out there on the table for him. Come on, <clears throat> just lie with me. And Joseph's response is very revealing of who he is. Now look at Joseph's response. Um, in verses 8 and 9, 39 verses 8 and 9. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. By the way, that may have been a bone of contention. Because just reading between the lines, Potiphar may have realized he had actually a better man in Joseph than he had wife, which was really the truth. That Joseph was actually better for him than his wife was. But <clears throat> that, that's reading between the lines, right? There's no greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but this, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So, first of all, Joseph is loyal to his <clears throat> master. He's loyal to Potiphar. Now you say, why would he be loyal to Potiphar? He's a slave. Well, because Joseph has accepted what God is doing in his life. And Potiphar is not his enemy. Potiphar is 
the authority in his life, and Joseph has placed himself under that authority. And by the way, it's worked very well for him, hasn't it? It always works when you actually accept what God is doing, when you actually take on board what God is doing. So <clears throat> um, he is loyal to his boss. He's, he, he's not doing it. <clears throat> Potiphar is being good to me. I'm not, I'm not messing around here. Potiphar's treated me well. I'm not messing. I'm not playing with this thing. Potiphar has been a blessing of mine. And, you know, Joseph is loyal. Now, <clears throat> let me say, we live in a day and age when loyalty is not held much by, don't we? We live in a day and age when, you know, uh, loyalty is kind of, yeah, well, if it suits me. We really live in a day. By the way, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'll show you something here about the age we live in. Sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> These are the identifying marks of our day. Now this know also, sorry, 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. I'll wait till you get there. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And it goes on. That's talking about the spirit of the age that we live in. And you know what? It's true. You look around you and it's true. Now, <clears throat> we can't change the spirit of our age. That's impossible. That's reality. But you know what? We need to be very careful that we're not affected by it, that we're not sucked in by it, that we're not drawn in by it. It's very easy for us to be, be a people that look, at, look on society as, uh, <clears throat> as our society does and say, yeah, well, whatever suits me. I'll do what makes me feel good. I'll do what feels right to me and what seems right to me. And, and who cares? Loyalty is important. Loyalty is very important in this case with Joseph. Why do you think Potiphar put everything he had in his hand? Because Potiphar knew he could depend upon Joseph. Somehow, Potiphar knew this guy is not like the rest of my servants, my slaves. I can depend upon this guy. I can give him the keys and I know he'll do right. And what Joseph is proving here is, not, it's not going to go well for him, but what Joseph is proving in this case is, listen, the trust that Potiphar placed in him was well placed. Now, <clears throat> understand that, that although our society looks on loyalty as though it's kind of nothing, we need to understand, we need to be loyal. We need to be loyal to our God. You know, it doesn't matter <clears throat> you know, whether we can kind of slip out the side of it and nobody knows. We need to be loyal to our God. We need to identify ourselves with him and speak up in his name. We need to be loyal to our families in this day and age too. Loyalty to families is kind of a thing of the past. And I realize families are messed up and there's problems in this. We need to be loyal to those things. Husbands need to be loyal to their wives and wives need to be loyal to their husbands. And listen, young people, you need to be loyal to your parents. You say, no, that's, that's ridiculous. Listen, it's ridiculous in this sad age that we live in. But you know what? Every age that you can look back on that's doing well, it wasn't ridiculous. It wasn't ridiculous. It was important. You need to be loyal. The Bible says, honor thy mother and thy father, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that the days that you live on the earth may be long. God promises to those who honor parents a long, happy life. That's a pretty good promise. I want that. You know, listen, be loyal, be honorable to your friends. We need to be loyal, even though we live in a day and age that, that's not, that, that doesn't like it. But Joseph was loyal to his boss. And by the way, when it comes to your employer, you need to be loyal there too. And you say, oh, pastor, you came out of the ark, didn't you? Think of jo Joseph's situation here. <clears throat> Joseph has, is the slave of Potiphar. Potiphar doesn't pay him, he owns him. Joseph has only what freedom Potiphar gives him. That would stick in your craw, wouldn't it? Joseph is loyal to him. Now, think about this. God keeps saying that Joseph was blessed, that 
God's hand was upon Joseph. God keeps saying that. Do you think God noticed whether he was loyal or not? Of course he did. That's an issue for God as well. We need to understand that. That's important. Secondly, though, <clears throat> Joseph was loyal to his God. Joseph was loyal to God. Listen, he wasn't doing wrong. How can I? Notice what he says again back in verse, uh, <clears throat> in verse 9. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? A bit harsh there, Joseph. She might be offended. She might be upset. Wickedness? Yeah, he's calling a spade a spade. He's laying it out. He's not messing around with it. He's not, he's not understanding her and trying to help her through it and you know, saying it's not too bad, Joseph. I, and Joseph is not saying it's not too bad. I understand. You know, <clears throat> I'll pray for you. No, listen, he's saying, listen, this is wicked. I'm not doing it. I'm not having anything to do with this. This is, this is a great wickedness. I won't have any part of it. Now, it's really helpful for us to actually identify sin as sin. It really is. It's helpful for you to identify sin as sin. By the way, you'll find it very hard to watch a film uh, if you start identifying sin as sin. <clears throat> because sin is woven through films all the time now. And, you know, you look at it, and, and <clears throat> unless you're very careful in picking them, you know, what you've got is you've got, you've got sin, and when, when adultery particularly comes up, what you've got is the music goes soft, and everything gets teary, and everything gets nice, and it looks so nice. That's just the way it's supposed to be, and it's really so precious. No, it's not. It's a great wickedness. It's adultery. It's a great wickedness before God, and it's a great wickedness in society. You know, and when you start calling uh, sin, sin, and start actually naming it, you know what? It gets kind of, uh, it's not so much fun anymore. And <clears throat> J- J- Joseph blows this woman out of the water by telling her, no, I, will, I, I won't do this great wickedness. Now, we live in a day when sin is not considered to be sin anymore. And everybody's renamed it, haven't we? Um, <clears throat> you know, you don't have adultery anymore. What you have is you have flirtations. Uh, you have affairs. Uh, you have trysts. You know, you have all kinds of nice names for sin. Call it sin in your life. By the way, call it sin in your brain. You know, <clears throat> you know don't, don't play with it in your brain. Joseph uh, looks at this and he says, I'm not going to do this great wickedness. Now, that kind of took all the fun out of the moment, I would imagine, wouldn't you? The fact that he just named it for what it was would have, would have just destroyed all the fun that was in the moment here. Uh, <clears throat> you need to do that in your own mind. You know, learn to see life through a biblical perspective. It really will help because we're living life in a society that really has lost all its mores, you know, all its, its moral compass has gone completely. We're living in a society that really doesn't know right from wrong. You know, we've all kinds of things been, been thrust on us and told us, listen, this is the way it is. And don't you say it's bad because if you say it's bad, listen, you're a, a, a bigot and you're intolerant. And you've got to remember, no, 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 no. There's right and there's wrong. That's what God says is right and wrong. And in your own mind, and when you have opportunity, speak out for what's right and wrong. Because society needs you to be salt and light. Society needs you to actually bring it up. <clears throat> We're supposed to affect society. Society's <coughs> not supposed to tear us down. Oftentimes, the, the, the effect is the reverse. And remember this. When the salt has lost its savor, what use is it? You know, somebody was telling me recently they were in England, and I, I don't know how true this is. Maybe somebody could verify it for me later on, but they were in England, and um, they, they, they put salt on their dinner, and it didn't, didn't change the taste at all. So they put more salt on, didn't change it, so they put more salt on, and really was frustrated with the salt. And he said what they, what they had done was they had removed the content from the salt over a period of 10 years uh, so that it wasn't as, uh, as strong as it used to be. And you know what? What's the point of putting salt on your dinner if it doesn't make it taste salty? <clears throat> you know, the same is true in society. What's the point of you being in society as salt and light if you're not going to act like salt and light in society? You need, you need to be what you are. Joseph said, I won't go and do this great wickedness. I'm not going to be involved in this. This is wicked. No way you're getting me involved in that. <clears throat> there's, there's no chance. Um, <clears throat> We need to understand that instead of the soft words that society uses, we need to call sin, sin. See, Joseph knew who he was. And when it came down to it, Joseph was God's man, God's man, God's man. And when he came to Potiphar's wife, he said, no, I'm God's man and this is wicked. I'm not doing it. 
And Joseph's going to go on through his life and he's going to stand before Pharaoh and God's going to use him there. But you know that this test is part of it. Who are you, Joseph? When the chips are down and nobody knows, who are you? Are you your own? You do your own thing? Or are you my man? Remember who you are. Remember that you're a Christian. <clears throat> Joseph knew he belonged to God. <clears throat> when a man knows he belongs to God, it makes the decisions of life easier. If you be- belong to God, you, can sleep, you can't sleep with your boss's wife. It's just that simple. It doesn't matter that she's lonely or attractive or available or anyth- anything else. You just can't do it, period. End of story. No discussion needed. He didn't mess around. He didn't flirt with trouble. He didn't say, how far can I go? He just said, no. And he didn't apologize. He didn't say, I'm really sorry. He just said, no, it's wicked. I'm not doing it. I'm not getting involved in it. Listen, if we would have our headspace like that prepared before temptation comes, it would help us a whole lot. Remember who you are. Because you're a Christian, you know what? Your father expects you to live a certain way. And he makes it possible for you. And he blesses you abundantly in it. I mean, don't miss it. Joseph could have enjoyed the pleasure of sin for a season, but you know what would have cost him? The hand of God upon his life. That's what it would have cost him. Joseph was wise. He could have taken the short thing and had it right now, or he could trust God for the much better. And he got the much better. You'd be wise if you plan in your heart. Secondly, when you're tempted... Thirdly, when you're tempted, act fast. You know, Joseph doesn't have a cup of tea with her in a long conversation and try and work out uh, terms for this exit. He leaves his coat and runs. He took off running. Listen, that looks wimpy, doesn't it? No, that's a man that knows himself. That's a man that knew what was happening here. And that's a man that knew he couldn't actually stand the temptation for very long. He took off running. He took the way of escape. He wasn't concerned about being cool. He was concerned about being clean. And so he took off running. He made out. Um, You know, Joseph might have said, listen, we're all alone. Uh, He might have said, she made me do it. She was the boss. What could I do? He might have said, no one else will know. He might have said, she's in a bad marriage. He might have said, I'm single and I have needs too. He might have said, I deserve this. He might have said, everyone fools around. He might have said, God will understand. Don't we often say that God will understand? Listen, because you understand your desire to sin does not mean that God understands. Does not mean that God accepts it. Does not mean that God says, ah, yes, I, I know who you are. That's not true. You're deluding yourself. That's not what happens. Listen, God is against sin. There's no no compromise between God and sin. None. He's a holy God. Read his word. Read his word. Read what he says about sin. Read what he does as far as sin is concerned. No compromise with God as far as sin is concerned. He never says, oh, it doesn't matter. It's okay. I, I I know how things are in 2013. Now listen, you come to him in your trouble with your problem saying, Lord, I need help. And he's going to gather you up in his arms and help you through the problem. But don't expect him to just wink at your sin and say it doesn't matter because he never does. It's always wrong. God, God, it's always wrong before God. He, he never changes on that. <clears throat> Joseph decided, listen, he was going to run. He was going to get out of there because the most important thing was he was a Christian and he was going to do right. Now, <clears throat> principle number four is a bit of a twist for us, right? <clears throat> when you do right, don't expect a reward. He's not in the short term. See what happens to Joseph here? He does right. He's the hero of the piece. Here we have, <clears throat> you know, uh, a, a wicked woman trying to entice him. He stands up for what's right. He leaves his coat. He runs. He tells her it's wickedness. I'm having nothing to do with it. And he goes and he's on his way. <clears throat> She accuses him falsely. Her husband comes home. He's enraged. And he has Joseph put in prison. Now, <clears throat> that's hard, isn't it? 
That's just tough. You know, if, if you're going to make a grand stand for doing right, God's supposed to come to the party and get, get, get row in there behind you and vindicate you, and you're supposed to be... Uh, it doesn't always happen like that. And, and you see, here's what we need to understand. God's eye was not upon Joseph being happy now. God's eye was on Joseph beside Potiphar's throne. But even further than that, God's eye was on Joseph and his eternity. And that's always where God's eye is. So sometimes the twists and the turns won't go exactly the same. You see, God is taking you and he's planning for your eternity. So that's his eye. That's his focus. You're planning for a point down the road. Well, you know what? Oftentimes the pathway in your mind is going to go one direction. This is the best pathway. And the pathway in God's eye is going to go a different direction entirely. And you've got to recognize this, and that's the way I'm going. I want, I want everything God has for me. I don't know the best. God knows the best. Um, so don't always expect a reward. It's not always going to happen the way you think it. She makes a false accusation, and Joseph is unjustly imprisoned. He is thrown in prison. Now, listen, that was a hard day in Joseph's life. What are you going to do on that hard day in your life? Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're a child of God. You're as much a child of God in the prison as you are in the palace. Your circumstances don't change that. You're a child of God. The enemy and everything else in the world may conspire to tell you you're not. But the truth is you're a child of God. Just remember who you are. Remember God's got a plan. He's working at his plan. It's a good plan. And you know what does happen for Joseph? What happens for Joseph is, principle number five is, when you do right, God will honor you. Joseph gets honored in the prison. Look at our text again. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed Joseph's hand into Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Did you ever hear about the, 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 the Midas touch? It's a very attractive idea, isn't it? Anything you touch becomes gold. You get very wealthy very quickly. The, the, the problem for the guy who had the Midas touch was that anything he touched became gold and even his daughter, I believe it was, became gold when he touched her. But <clears throat> there's a different kind of a Midas touch, a good one. It's having the hand of God upon you. It's having the hand of God so that no matter what you, you, you touch, it's blessed. Now, you know, you, you might look from the outside into Joseph's life and say, hang on a minute, Midas touch, uh, uh, his brothers hate him, they throw him in a pit and they sell him. Uh, where's the blessing in that? Uh, he, he gets accused of, um, of, of adultery, of, of attempted adultery with his master's wife, and, and there's no smoke without fire. <clears throat> where's the blessing in that? Uh, he gets sent to prison. Where's the blessing in that? But God carefully reveals to us the blessing. God shows us how the blessing comes. It doesn't come in the ways we expect. It comes kind of as an undertow. It comes underneath everything. It comes in the areas you can't control. How could Joseph have decided, you know what, I am going to make part of our think I am the most valuable person around here so that he commits everything to my hand. It wouldn't have worked. Joseph could never have done that. That was beyond Joseph's power. That was a God thing. So he gets thrown in prison. He's just another prisoner. He's a Hebrew. He's another prisoner. How's he going to get to the place where the keeper of the prison thinks, this, this guy's terrific. That's a God thing. You see, Here's what we've got to understand. It's all a God thing. It's all a God thing. God's in charge of all of it. There's, there's nothing in our lives that he doesn't have his hand on. There's, there's nothing we can do if he says no. And there's no one that can stop us if he says yes. It's all a God thing. God's in charge. God's ruling in the affairs of men. And what we see in the Bible, God carefully reveals to us that underneath everything, his hand is at work, achieving what he wants to achieve. Now, what we need to do is we need to come to the place where, first of all, we recognize that. He's in charge. You know, humanly speaking, 
fine for Joseph. And by the way, it would be interesting to see how it worked out if he had done this, if he had just given in to your woman and done what she wanted. Humanly speaking, that would have been the best thing. It would have, would have, would have saved him all the problem. But God. But then he gets thrown in prison. But God is in the prison too. And in every area of his life, God takes care of him. Listen, that's what you want in your life. That's what I want in my life. I can't control my life. I can't control my health. I can't control, <clears throat> uh, you know, the financial crisis in our society. I can't control anything. Oh, listen, I'm supposed to be wise and, you know, <clears throat> do the best I can with, with my circumstances, but I can't control them. It's beyond me. But there is one who can. There is one who's in control of everything. What I need in my life is I need to be submitted to him. I need to be in the place where he's having his way. You say, well, what if something bad happens in your life then? That blows that theory, isn't it? No. No, that doesn't blow that theory. Because when something bad happens in my life, it's from the hand of a good God. So I'm okay. I'm okay. And what I'll notice in my life is that even when something bad happens, there's blessing. There's blessing. Have you learned to, to, to see that in your life? That even the bad things, when you recognize God in them, are not bad. The hard things are not bad. Because if God's in it, he has this incredible ability to take the bad situation and turn it around and bless you through it. So Joseph's getting thrown into prison, so probably fearing for his life and ends up getting thrown into prison. <clears throat> and that's it, curtains now, because, I mean, how do you get out of a prison on a charge like that in that day? Miss curtains, there's no hope. But God. And God makes his situation in the prison comfortable. Puts him in charge of everything in the prison. And God is ultimately going to take him and lift him out of it. But all along the line, what we're seeing is, we're seeing a young man who's recognizing God's hand. Recognizing that's the most important thing in life. You know what? When it comes to dealing with temptation, that's the way to deal with it. <clears throat> Don't forget who you are. You're God's child. He's at work in your situation. Let him be bigger in your life than any of the temptations. Because to lose his hand, to lose his blessing, to put yourself in the place where he can't bless, and by the way, that's what we do. God by nature blesses. God is a giver. He is a rewarder. That's who he is by nature. What we do is we put blocks in the way of his blessing and taking care of us. Listen, don't ever do that. That's no way to live your life. Don't, don't put blocks in the way. That, that's not the way to do it. Recognize, listen, I'm his child. I want his blessing. And this great wickedness, I will not do. And whatever the wickedness is, I realize for everybody here, it's different. Whatever the temptation is, somewhere small, somewhere on the higher scale, they're, listen, they're all issues. They're all sin. No, I won't do it. Learn to call sin, sin in your life. Learn to, learn to look at it as though it's sin. Don't, don't, don't be drawn along by a society that says, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. Why don't you just relax? Enjoy yourself. Everybody, no, 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 no. Listen, you're not everybody. You're not everybody. Kids ever come to you and say that to you? Everybody's doing it. That, listen, that's a great reason for you to say no. Well, if everybody's doing it, then you're definitely not doing it. <clears throat> listen, because everybody's doing it, we need to galvanize ourselves against it, not go with it, not be a part of it. We need to be Christians every day, Sundays, Mondays, and through the rest of the week. We need to be Christians when we're on our own and Christians when we're in a crowd. We need to be his children all the time. And when we live like that and have the smile of our Heavenly Father upon our lives, listen, life is wonderful. You know, <clears throat> if you were to ask Joseph, Later in life. I, 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 be good. We'll get to see Joseph someday, right? Be great to ask Joseph. Joseph, what was the happiest time of your life? What, what do we immediately think? Oh, the palace. But I wonder. I wonder was the palace the happiest time of his life? See, to be in prison with God, that could be pretty happy. To be in a slave and have God's hand on you, that could be pretty happy. I, I, I wonder how Joseph sees it. 
in your life, choose God. Be his child every day. And what you'll find is it's worth it. Now, a couple of points and I'm done, right? First of all, you may come this morning and you say, well, that's nice, but you know what? I'm no Joseph. I've blown it. I've, <clears throat> I've messed it up royally. I've, I've, done, I've done everything that's wrong at least twice. I <clears throat> Listen, today's a new day. We're at, right at the beginning of a new year. You could change it all. And you know what? God forgives when we confess. Now, what does it mean to confess? It means to come to God and agree with God. It's wrong. Lord, it was a great wickedness. I did it, Lord, but it was a great wickedness. Lord, forgive me. And God deals with it. God deals with it and puts it away. So listen, if you've blown it and you've, you're no Joseph, listen, put it away. But listen, understand. It doesn't, your, your, your future doesn't have to be like your past. It's clear, it's clean, it's, it's, it's fresh. Isn't, isn't that the beauty of a brand new year? There's no mud on it. There's no muck on it yet. Listen, God can make it clear and clean for you. Listen, <clears throat> you may be here this morning, you're a child of God, and you're saying, you know what? <clears throat> I need to recognize I'm, a ch- I'm skirting close to the edge. I'm kind of getting sucked in. I'm getting closer and closer. You know what? Potiphar's wife is looking pretty good. Listen, Run. Run. It's a great wickedness. Whatever it is that's drawing you, run. And get away from it. You may be here this morning and you, may, you say, well, listen, <clears throat> all this sounds great to me, but you know what? I'm really not a child of God. You can become a child of God. God has made it the easiest thing in the world for someone to become his child. He did it all. He did it all because you couldn't. We're sinners, every last one of us. We deserve hell. But God loved us. And he sent his son to pay the price for our sin. And it's as simple as this. If you'll trust in him, if you'll depend in him, God says, I'll take care of your sin. I'll make you my child. He said, that's too easy. And you need to give me something to do. There's nothing you can do. The problem's so great you could never fix it, not in a million years. But God has fixed it. And if you just receive the fixing he's done, your problem is fixed. Your problem is fixed forever. Listen, What we've got is something wonderful. Something incredible. What we've got is the life. And the more we live it, the sweeter it becomes. Let's not miss anything of what God has for us. Let's stand for a moment of prayer. I'm going to pray for us. And then after I've, I've prayed, the piano's going to play. And if God is dealing with you about something that we're talking about this morning... Any of the areas that we've discussed, listen, come and do business with him and just make it right with God. Just come to a place where you you make that surrender to him. Listen, I want all that God has for me and so do you. Don't resist him. Don't hold on to something that's going to destroy you. Just come to him. Let it go. And you say, well, I blew it yesterday. Listen, today is a fresh day. Confess it. Make it right. Deal with it. And let God work in your life. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this people. Thank you for this day, and thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, for Joseph. And, oh, Lord, would you help us now, Lord? Lord, help us to be warned and to learn and to know. Lord, may we not be foolish, but, Lord, may we recognize the reality that we're Christians all the time, and may we live that way and live beneath your smile and with your glorious hand upon us. In Jesus' precious name. As the Lord has spoken to you, why don't you step out of your seat and you come and you do business with him?